Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. God is a God of redemption. He is a God of compassion. He is a God of long-suffering. Oh yes, He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He didn't bypass His judgment. He didn't bypass His holiness in order to save you and me. No, He sent Christ to pay for the work of sin in our life, for the consequence, the eternal consequence of sin in our life. So God remains holy. He remains just and righteous. And through His severe mercy, He's allowed us now, sinful and stained and rebellious as we are, to be able to come to faith in Him. Our God is a God of reconciliation. Pastor David will teach the parable of the prodigal son today and God's heart to redeem us. The prodigal son left his father to live a life of sin and was quickly suffering the consequences of that poor choice. However, when the son comes back home, the father runs to him and restores him into the family. That's God's heart. He moves in grace, compassion, and mercy, rather than in judgment. That was a difficult lesson for the Pharisees to learn, as they acted just like the legalistic older son. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, The God of Redemption. tells them that even the angels of God rejoice over one sinner who repents. It's interesting, the friends of the one who found that coin, they rejoice, but these Pharisees aren't rejoicing in any of it. Ought to tell us what the relationship these Pharisees have truly with God. Again, speaking to their heartlessness, their coldness toward those that were so lost, they felt that they were above these people. They felt that they were above these situations. And so Jesus tells this one other parable, probably one of the most famous parables of all of Jesus' parables that we have before us, the parable of the prodigal son. Look at verse 11 with me, if you would. And then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the young son gathered all together. He journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. This is such a familiar story, but it's not just a Bible story. It's not just a parable. I think it's probably a story that every one of us can connect with in one way or another. Either we've been prodigals or we know someone who's been a prodigal. Or a little bit later, we're going to look at the older brother. Maybe we're the older brother and we'll see the situation with him in a little bit. You've got to understand that at this point in time for this young man to come up and say, I want to divide the inheritance. I want my part of the inheritance was completely 
completely against the social order of that day. It was an inheritance. When do you get an inheritance? Well, after the one who has the inheritance dies. So in other words, this young man is saying, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. I want my money now. And the father could have told him, hey, son, sorry, but I'm feeling pretty healthy. Go back to the field and work. But he didn't. He split up the inheritance, gave the part to the younger one. Says that after he wasted all the money, spent it all with prodigal living, spent it all, and there rose a famine in the land, and he began to want. Verse 15, then he went and he joined himself to a certain man in that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Let me stop right here. If you know anything about Jews, you know feeding swine is not what you want to do. You guys ever see that show, The Dirtiest Job? Okay, there's some jobs on there. And Micro, I think the guy's name is, that uh, is the one that does that. There's some jobs there that he does. You know what, I think I'll starve to death rather than do that job. Well, that's kind of what feeding the swine are for the Jews. But this young man was in such a desperate situation. He came and he began to feed swine. And he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate because no one gave him anything anything. And when he came to himself, verse 17, beloved, that's a powerful word phrase right there. When he came to himself, understand this isn't some new age self-realization thing. Hey, I had to go out and find myself. No, this is like suddenly the light bulb went off and he realized, what in the world am I doing here? Why in the world have I allowed myself to get to this point in my life? When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I'm here and I'm perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. You see, finally this young man is coming aware of all that's taken place and the consequences of the sin within his life that has brought him literally to the pig trough in his life. This young man had received all the blessings of the father. He felt that he could do a whole lot better than being submitted to his father. If he just had the finances to do it, oh, he could live life. And you know what? It would be so fun. I tell our young people, sin, don't let anybody kid you. Sin is fun. But don't let anybody kid you. It's only fun for a season. And the consequences of that sin you don't want to pay. You see this young man, oh, he thought it would be great. Oh, he had a great time for a very, very short season. But that season ended, and now the consequences of that sin are all around him. He's literally immersed in the consequences of his sin. The New King James Version says that he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That word used there as prodigal is the Greek word Asotos, A-S-O-T-O-S, asotos. The actual meaning of it would be acting wastefully and unrestrainedly in either morality or in spending. And it often included both aspects of it. Acting wastefully and unrestrainedly in either morality or spending. Now, asotos 
is the word. The root of that word comes from another Greek word, soso, S-O-Z-O, soso. That word happens to mean to deliver or to save. But when you put the A in front of that, according to the Greek understanding of the language, that suddenly makes the word, instead of to deliver or to save, asotos means without deliverance, without a savior. And as long as this young man remained in that state of unrepentance, even if he thought about it and yet never acted upon it, he was still without deliverance and without a Savior. He could have stayed in that pig pen and said, oh man, what am I doing here? I'm destroying my life. I could have it so much better at my dad's house. I could have it so much better if I went back there and then day in and day out stayed in the pig pen. Beloved, that's not repentance. That's just a realization of the mess you've made of your life. And the unfortunate thing, there's a lot of people that walk this life and they realize that from their choices, from their decisions, they understand all the mess that they brought into their life. They understand the consequences of their sin, but yet they haven't repented. They haven't turned away from it and gone back to the Father. And this is the call, this is the message or the lesson that we have of this prodigal. He not only came to himself, the light bulb not only came off and he understood, man, what am I doing? destroying my life here. I don't need to live this way. I can go back to my father. And that's why we read then in verse 20, these great words, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Guys, this is the best part of the whole story. The whole story is, while he was still a great way off, his father saw him. How far is a great way off? If you live out in the country, uh, and you probably look about a half mile down the road, and you say, oh yeah, I I know who that is walking here. I know by their walk, I I can make out uh, some of their features. That's my son down there. Maybe, what if it was a mile? What, What if it's two miles? I don't think you could tell. Somehow, this father knew, he realized while the son was still a great way off, and the father had compassion on the son. So he stands up on the porch with his arms folded, and he says, well, I'll wait till he gets here and see what he has to say. It's not what it says, is it? He saw him a far away off, and in his compassion for his son, he went to his son, and he didn't just stroll down there. This old man began to run. We don't know how old he was, but this old man began to run because he saw his son. He saw his son was coming back. He doesn't know any of the circumstances that surround it. All he sees is that his son is coming back home. He ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. He didn't come up to him and say, well, it's about time you got home. Well, before you come into this house, I need some answers, young man. No, he came and had compassion on his son. He fell upon his neck and he began to kiss him. Then the son began to speak in verse 21. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. So not only is there repentance, 
but now there is confession. Both of these things so necessary in our relationship with Christ. Repentance, an acknowledgement of our sin, repentance of the sin, and then confession as we come to him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But look at verse 22. Does the father address any of that at all? No. He, he just simply accepts it. He just simply takes it. And the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Now, where do you think the best robe would have been? It wouldn't have been in the laundry hamper, probably. It wouldn't have been thrown over in the corner. I think that that best robe was probably in the father's closet. Bring that best robe and then put that ring on him. And you know what the ring signified? That's the family signet ring, no doubt. So not only does he have the father's robe on, but now he's got the family's signet ring on. He's accepted fully into the family as a part of the family. This young man was willing to come and just simply, man, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He was willing to go and serve at his father's house, but his father says, no, you're my son. I'm bringing you back into the family completely, absolutely. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and then bring the fatted calf here, kill it, let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. Even as the Word of God declares to us that when we come to Christ, we put on that robe of righteousness, not our own robe, but it's His robe of righteousness that we put on. We are a part now of the family of God, not set off in a corner of of no use and of no valid part. No, we've been made now part of the family of God, and we've even been given authority as believers, as children of God within our life to act, again, for His kingdom's sake within this world, just as that young prodigal was brought in, given the signet ring, showing the authority of that family, put on the father's robe. What a beautiful, what a wonderful story of not only the recognition of sin, the repentance, the confession of sin, acceptance within the family, that restoration, that reconciliation that our God is. But how many of you know the rest of the story? Because the story doesn't end here, does it? You see, it's the rest of the story that would have impacted the Pharisees the most as they're listening to this story. In their own self-righteousness, they would have had a really hard time relating to this prodigal. <laughs> what, a, what a fool. Uh, I would have never gone to feed the swine. And, and what, a, what a sinful man he was to go and waste on harlots and, and wild living and riotous living. What a, uh, how horrible that is. They, they wouldn't have connected with that young man at all. They couldn't imagine a father even doing that. As a matter of fact, for them, they would have written their son off. You're dead to me. You're, you're gone. But Jesus adds this postscript to the parable. Verse 25, now the older son was in the field, and as he came and he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants over and asked what these things meant. The servant said to him, well, your brother has come home. Because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But look at what verse 28 says. 
The son didn't rejoice. Hey, my young brother's back again. Oh, great, that's, no. He was angry. As a matter of fact, I'm not even gonna go into that party. You guys can party all you want, but I'm not going in there. No, this just isn't right. You see, there was this righteous indignation that this older brother had, much like the Pharisees had toward these tax collectors and sinners that were coming to Jesus. But it also says, therefore, his father came out. You see, his father came out to him too. Not only did he run for the prodigal, but he also went out to get the older brother. He reached out in love. He reached out in compassion to the older brother also. He pleaded with him. And so the older brother answered and said to his father, look, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. You know, that's the mindset of a Pharisee right there, isn't it? I keep the law all the time. I'm blameless. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, you notice he didn't say my brother, as soon as my brother. No, this son of yours came in who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. Do you catch it here? The older son is scolding the father. He's scolding the father because the father chose to move in grace and mercy rather than in judgment. As a matter of fact, the very words, the verb tense used by this older son declares to the father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. It's the same word, it's the same tense phrase that's used in John 8 verse 33 when the Pharisees declare to Jesus, why we're Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage. To anyone. What is this young man saying to his father? All these years I've been in bondage to your rule and leadership in my life. And as I've been under that law, I've kept the law. You see, there's a harshness in the law. If you're of those that you feel you need to keep the law to, to satisfy God, you don't have the joy of relationship. No, you're under the burden of the law that says, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to walk this way. Otherwise, God's going to smack me. You see, that's the attitude of this older brother here. He felt he was under bondage to the Father, much the same way that the Pharisees felt that they served Jehovah. Oh, Jehovah is great, he's powerful, and if we don't serve him, he'll strike us down. And beloved, when you're living that way, it's hard to see God as compassionate and as a loving Father. When you have an attitude like that, you walk in fear. You don't walk in the joy of the Lord. You serve him out of fear rather than out of love that says, oh God, Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. You saved even somebody like me. I want my life to count for you. I want to give you glory and bring you glory in my life. You see, Jesus tried to help even these Pharisees to understand what a true relationship with God the Father was all about. Verse 31 says that the father, speaking to the older son, said, Son, you're always with me, 
and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and glad, for your brother was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and he's found. See, in essence, for these Jews, man, you're my chosen people. I've loved you with that everlasting love. I've, I've called you, just as I called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, I've, I've made you a nation that wasn't a nation. I've given you the prophets. I've given you the, the covenants and the commands. I've loved you. I've provided for you. I've protected you all of these years. You're mine. And you see, that's the kind of relationship that God wanted to have, even with those Pharisees. But they misunderstood what grace is. I think it's very telling that Jesus didn't give us the end, the very end of the story. We don't know how this older brother responded after he spoke with the father. Just as for these Pharisees, he, they now heard this story, and it was up to them how they were going to respond to that. Were they going to be able to see actually what compassion and forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration really mean? Were they going to be able to see the long-suffering and the greatness of the mercy of God, yeah, even to tax collectors and sinners, to the point that it would change their relationship with God? Did they finally come to understand that God was a God of redemption and restoration? Or was this young man so angry, so angry that the wicked were redeemed that it kept him from entering into the fullness of his own father's love? You see, that's what he's doing. He's rejecting the father because he's rejecting the compassion of the Father for others. Let me ask you today, are you the prodigal or are you the older son? I believe that probably each one of us at least have at least one, possibly we've been both various times in our lives. Aren't you glad that our God is a God of reconciliation? Our God is a God of redemption. He will in no wise cast off those that come to him by faith. How easy it is for us to be able to judge and to say, oh, that one's worthy and that one's not. Well, they may be worthy. They might be worthy, but I don't think these here. When in reality, none of us are worthy. And yet because God is a God of reconciliation, God is a God of redemption, he is a God of compassion, he is a God of long-suffering. Oh yes, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just. He didn't bypass his judgment. He didn't bypass his holiness in order to save you and me. No, he sent Christ to pay for the work of sin in our life, for the consequence, the eternal consequence of sin in our life. So God remains holy. He remains just and righteous. And through his severe mercy, he's allowed us now, sinful and stained and rebellious as we are, to be able to come to faith in him. I'm glad that our God is a God of justice. Amen. I'm glad that our God is a holy and a righteous God. Amen. But I am also so blessed that our God is a God of redemption and reconciliation in order that whosoever would could call upon the name of the Lord. 
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.